Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, here we are for another episode of Midlife Moxie. We're so glad you joined us today. And again, we just want to give a shout out and a thank you to those who have followed our show, who are downloading our show. If you're sharing with friends and if you're not, shame on you. Just kidding. We hope you will. We hope you will find what we do here valuable and important. And we're all about you being part of this community. So Christina, tell them some ways I can join in and what we've got coming up. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you guys can find us at midlifemoxiepodcast at gmail.com. So that's where you can give us some input on what you think about our show and um, also topics that you want to hear about. Then you can go over to our website at midlifemoxie.net and you can sign up for our uh, newsletter that's about to launch. You guys, we're going to have some um, of our Moxie partners in there. We're going to be talking about our Moxie meetups. And you guys, you guys, be on the lookout for our talk show that we're going to be doing. And we have something really, really big planned, really big planned in the near future. And and we'll tell you about our adventure pretty soon. Oh, 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 yeah. Wait till we're ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Now, it's not going to be the same content that you get here on Midlife Moxie, but it will be kind of a little bit of a recap, some highlights that we want to talk about from our shows, what's coming up on our shows, and just our thoughts on some topics. Because some days we've just got things that we want to talk about that's on our mind. And so it's going to be kind of just a, you know, let it rip kind of hour on Reset 360 for Women. And I believe that's found on Alexa, right, Christina? We're still working out yes. all the details. It's yeah, Alexa we'll, get, we'll definitely get them all the all the details. And I think oh. that that's the beauty of our newsletter is that you guys can go ahead and head on over to midlifemoxie.net and sign up for the newsletter so you get all the info. You're never left out of the community. and Because uh, we know you don't want to miss a moxie no. morsel, not a morsel. So today we're going to shift a little bit and we are having our youngest ever guest on Midlife Moxie. She's only 30 years old. Her name is Brooke Neal, and she's a fellow podcaster. And we were just chatting in a clubhouse room over on those clubhouse streets about what she does and what we do. And part of what we want to do here is bridge generational gaps and generational Mm. divides and have conversations between the generations and conversations between different cultural groups. So let me tell you a little bit about Brooke. She's the co-host of Perspective podcast. And it's a place to give black women the space to be her and be heard. Boy, I love that. I'll give it a voice to the women. She's also the creator and founder of Single But Not Alone Incorporated and a very proud boy mama Joining the other midlife moxie boy mamas. <laughs> yes. yes. Girl. Love I love being a boy mama. Oh boy. You, you buckle up, sister. You ain't I know, I know. you ain't done with this ride yet. It's gonna I get know. good. So welcome, Brooke. Tell me a little bit about your podcast you. and what you do over there. 
Oh, th- well, yes. Thank you for having me. And yes, uh, I am the co-host. My name is B. Michelle on, on the podcast uh, of Her Spected Podcast. And our goal is just to bring light to Black women and our culture. We want you to be her and be heard. I'm a nerd. I'm goofy. Uh, a, really a big nerd. <laughs> a nerd to <laughs> you know, be heard. Oftentimes they, try to, right, oftentimes they try to put us in a box as Black women. And so we just want to create that space where we can be talk about whatever we want, mental health, sex, to mom, being a mom, to our community, to serious stuff, to crazy stuff. There is no topic that is left untouched on our show. So um, just creating that space where we can do all those things and not be limited. Uh, that's our goal is to create that for our culture. So be heard, be heard. That's us. I nice. love that. Be heard, be heard. Well, Ranger was just heard. Right. He always makes an appearance in every episode. Hey, he said he, he needs to be heard on this show. Yes. I, I, right well, almost to to the detriment, Brooke. <laughs> let me just let me just say that. Well, we're gonna just jump right in and we're okay. just gonna start talking about some some things. Okay. And I think yeah, I wanna talk about go ahead, Gail. Yeah, yeah, I wanna get into one thing we wanna do with Brooke today. Obviously, she is a strong black woman and I'm as yes. white as can be, and Christina <laughs> Is I butt picked up at the local pound. She's little everything over there. Oh and, my goodness! <laughs> you know we're the all the occasion of the group. Yeah, I call her her our Mexican. She's got Mexican, oh Mexican, Asian, and about four other things. She's really special, but it came out well. So, um, because I do think there's some cultural differences in the mm-hmm. different um, groups, the different societal elements. And I want to right. talk about age differences as well as cultural differences because um, we've been looking for a younger gal to have on the show to talk about how your generation is perceiving some of the things mm-hmm. that we talk about on Midlife Moxie. So right. let's start by talking about the early years, menstruation, sex. Did your mm-hmm. mama talk to you about that? So not really like in detail, just like that it was going to happen. But my aunt was really the one who showed us the different things. Like she showed us a pad, like, and it was, it was years before it happened. Like three, I feel like I was like five or six. So I didn't really remember when it happened, but yeah, she showed us like a pad and how to put it on and different things like that. Um, not in detail, like what was really going to happen, <laughs> but <laughs> she showed me like, she showed us like the different things to do. So I wasn't, I don't think there's, she didn't mention the run down your leg part or no boat over with cramps part, I guess. And and don't wear white. I think she did (laughs) tell me that she might've told us that, but you, but you know, it just comes up. You never know when it's going to happen. I came on early. I came on at nine. So, um, wow, that is early, but you know, yeah. I'm hearing yeah, more and that more of that Brooke, cause in my yeah. generation, it was usually 12, 13, Four, right. But I'm well, hearing more of young girls. What? Yes. I was 11. I, w- I, started I thought you said like seven for a moment, almost had a heart attack. No, 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 no. 11, 11. So you, mm-hmm. that makes sense because you're 10 years mm-hmm. younger than me. Brooke's about 15 years younger than you. Thanks. It, and they say <laughs> that it's, um, <laughs> I'm the OG here. Don't forget it. Right. It's all right. But, you know, they do say that the hormones and stuff we're eating in our food is causing early menses in women. So I think that's very interesting. And I think yeah. it, I think it's interesting to look at, gosh, that was such a heavy thing for me back in the day. Mm-hmm. Being younger and having to handle that, I, I don't know if I would have been mentally prepared for that. If well, I you're not. It's came on, like, as you said. <laughs> yeah, when I came on, that's what we call it. 
I had uh, never heard I, that if term. If I tell my friend or something, I'm about, I'm like, ooh, I'm cramping. I'm about to come on. Like it's, <laughs> that's it's what called we call your it. visitor. Because <laughs> I grew up, you know, I grew up in the South. For people who don't know, um, very conservative Bible Belt, and there were just things you didn't talk about. And my mom was also right. very introverted and very private, and so there was even more she didn't talk about. And right, exactly. Yeah, she ordered me this set of books from Kotex. And my f- neighbor and friend would go out to our playhouse, which was actually a refrigerator box, and read through these books. And we would, <laughs> back in the day, you had sanitary belts. Aww. And we had to figure out how to use those. There wasn't no just peel and stick in that time. You had to learn ahead of time or you were going to be in a world of hurt. Um, oh so we were gosh. out there in the refrigerator box t- playhouse trying on sanitary napkins is what they called them. Oh, Lord. Yeah, good time. So y'all oh, have got the best. So You're um, right. did you have anybody in your life that did talk to you a lot about these things? Not in great detail, but like my aunt, she's the one who ventured out and really just taught us different, just different than what we would have got from our parents. Like I would have never known about how to put on a pad and stuff like that if it wasn't for her or um, just how to do different things. She she was the one who ventured out with me and taught me some new things. Uh, my mom was really confined and stuck in her ways. So <laughs> it was her that taught me so, a lot of different so things. So uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's probably safe to say that she didn't talk to you about tampons. The tampons. Oh, tampons. No. no, tampons. Tampons was, you was having sex. You That's had what we So thought. that was a no-go. You you was yeah, yeah you, no you don't do yeah that. you was grown if you was wearing tampons grown my mom didn't even she was gro- she was grown and she didn't no have mine tampons. did mine never like, used tampons didn't never. wear tampons mine didn't either no. the uh, fact well, that wasn't even presented as one of the options for feminine protection no it was, no here's your pads and I played sports Me y'all too, girl. like do you could you imagine. Yes, I played. I was a very active. I was child. a baller girl. I played basketball. Me too. Can you imagine running up and down? I the court? can imagine oh, it because I was cool. running down the court, and our home uniforms were white. Oh, listen! So here yeah, I was. Y'all were doing the thing. Yes, my running was, I was, I was running in the streets. You when guys I, were running on I'm the court. I'm running down the court. You ran down the streets. But <laughs> it was, you know, you got these white polyester shorts on, which are hot and sweaty, and you're wearing a diaper. Yes. And and, and you're sweating literally. and you're chafing. I mean, yeah, could oh we just gosh, talk about how gross that was? And that just it's disgusting. Now that you the think terror about it. that someone was it was gonna get on our shorts in the middle of the game. I mean, the fact that oh. we could go out there and put down 17 points compared to a guy doing it mm-hmm. when we've got a diaper between our legs and afraid we're bleeding in front of the Man, crowd. I used to wear spandex so tight to make sure <laughs> so it didn't even move. have that. Oh yeah. You got your underwear and the, the, <laughs> the undershorts. You had the you spandex, spandex undershorts, right? Yeah. See, we didn't have that in my oh, day, girl. Yes. If that thing broke loose, it Bless might just you. fall right out your drawers and uh, right there on the court. That, <laughs> and that's if I would cry. I would I mean, cry. Oh and my god. And just goodness. you know, you just never knew. I mean it was the just pressure, the you guys. The pressure of I'm so glad I was in the streets because man, yeah. I mean, you might've been cramping. You might, you just never know. So Anything. Wow. Um, now let me ask you about this because I think in black okay. culture, um, we're having a lot of broken homes in every culture, but historically we've seen a lot of homes where the family dynamic is the females, the children, 
mm-hmm. a mother and sometimes a grandmother. And it's it seemed mm-hmm. to be, you, and you correct me if I'm wrong, if I've got wrong assumptions, but it mm-hmm. seemed like there were a lot of homes where the mom was the matriarch. She ran the home. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested, did that, do you think that gave you a different experience of what you were told about menstruation and sex and drugs and mental health and all the things being raised predominantly by right. women because you were like in my house, we almost right. had to sneak around and have talks because my dad, and my brother were there. And it's like you had to hide your tampons Aww. and good Lord, you didn't want your brother to know, you know, when I did get old enough to wear tampons. Mm-hmm. Um, what, how was that different? You know, and is that true? Do you have a lot of homes that are right. the females a matriarch? Right. Yeah, we uh, yeah, we do. We do. Um, and that's due to a lot of systematic things. Uh, drugs in the community yeah. broke up the homes. And so, you know, a lot men are men in jail. And so, yeah, the, the women had to hold it down. And so, um, but yes, for my household, that's what it was. My dad, when my parents got divorced, I didn't see much of him after a certain age. Uh, because of their their quarrels <laughs> so um I didn't see him until I had my son about 20 really that much and so it was different as far as period and stuff like that like I got the basics but I wish I would have been taught a little bit more so I could be prepared um, when it comes to boys and sex don't do it don't have just it just don't don't get pregnant yeah. focus on school yeah. But it wasn't any that much of detail. So you so didn't really get growing up <laughs> even in a house full of women. You really didn't get any more right. education than say I did growing up here in Little Town South. Right? Isn't that no. fascinating? And mental health—they don't talk about that. We don't. There's no such thing as mental health with black women. Like you, strong. You do what you got to do and take care of what you got to take care. That of. That is so. so true, Brooke. That you you yeah. pointed that out because I I grew up. I mean, for me, I grew up with nothing but you know, blacks and, and Filipinos and Mexican, like that, that was just it. That was, right. that was who I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, barely had white friends. When I went to high school is kind of when I started to gravitate towards, you know, some of different, it was just different. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. um, I noticed that, I noticed that it was just kind of like, no, you have to be strong. You right. can't even talk about, oh, you know, Mr. Jones might be a little bit off of his rocker. Maybe oh, there's yeah. some stuff that we've got to look at. It's it's just not, you, you don't talk For about sure. it. What do you think that stems from? Because then that leads into, you know, them having conversations with you about your period, about sex, about drugs, about mm-hmm. um, menopause. So where, where do you think that Let stems from? Let me add from? to that before she answers, because... Okay. That's long been held like in the deep south. I told you, you don't tell anything in the south. Everything's mm. a secret. Right. Everything's secret mm-hmm. except you gossip about it. Now you tell everybody, but you don't tell everybody. You know, it's still a secret. It's right. just, it's but terrible. I want to gossip. You know, don't, don't tell Susie, <laughs> but you know, cousin Sally's pregnant. Or cousin Sally's right. with child. We would say, you know, things like that. And with child. You people would be sent out of town to visit a relative for, you know, nine months. And then they would appear back a little right. thinner. Um, you know, the South mm-hmm. is known for its secrets and mental health was no exception and things like pregnancies. Mm-hmm. So here's my question to you on that. I do think we're making some strides um, forward right. to be more informed about mental health and more informed about things like um, menopause. So do you think the black community as a social group, are they slower 
to change and start talking about those things? Um, to be honest, I give a lot of credit to my generation. Like, um, I guess we're millennials technically. Yeah, you are. You um, sure are. Right. So I don't even know what it is anymore. I'm like Gen Z, whatever. I know I was, I'm a nineties baby. That's all I can say. So, um, but I feel like we're really working on ourselves. Like we're, we're really working towards being better for our next generation. I see it. I, I mean, literally I see it so much. So I feel like if, if we we're going to get it right. Like, I feel like if nobody's going to get it right, we're going to, our kids are going to get it right. Mm. And so, um, but you're just kind of now getting to it. Is that what you're saying? Your generation? Yeah. I, I've seen this past five years. Like, yeah, I feel like that's, it's really been a movement of trying to, like I said, it was, it was us realizing that we didn't want to live like this anymore. We have things that we're feeling and, you know, being a black woman wanting to be married, like, we're not taught to be wives. We're taught to, like I just said, we're taught to be strong mm-hmm. and men don't mm-hmm. want that. <laughs> they don't want another man, you know? And so, you know, black women are at least to get married because we're taught to be independent. That's right. And that's so, fascinating. so I'm learning those things and how to depend on somebody. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, most of the people in different cultures are taught early to clean for a man, clean the house, keep the home, do this. We're taught to do all these things to be independent. So you don't have to, you don't have to depend on anybody. Well, you're taught. You, yeah. You taught those well, things. Brooke, I, I'll have to say this. It's not just, it's not just the black culture that, that's oh, yeah, taught yeah. that like, I'm, I'm my dad, my dad was very big on this and, and maybe it's because he, you know, secretly wanted me to be a boy. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but he always taught me, you be strong. You take care of yourself. You know, no, mm-hmm. no man is going to come and rescue you. You have to do it. You it's you. And so mm-hmm. I too had to re relearn, re, mm-hmm. you know, cause right. You have to relearn what you've all, what you've been taught about being mm-hmm. strong and strong and strength can look so many different ways. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really love that you guys are shining a light in that direction because there are things that you guys want that, you know, other cultures want as well that, that have that mm-hmm. same, that same outlook, that same view. So I just right. appreciate that you're, you're stepping into that. I think well, I'm going to awesome. be the yeah. oddball out here mm-hmm. in the whitey McWhitey well, pants from the deep South. Deep South girls of my oh, generation. That's what y'all thought, Southern yeah, we taught raise up and find you a you know a red butler and just ride off into the sunset. And you know, even if you had parents, like my parents did raise me to be strong enough, but there wasn't mm-hmm. a ton of talk about this independence. And I can tell you that they definitely there was a, a little bit of a, a shift in how they treated me versus how they treated my brother. Like oh, for sure. my brother was, Ugh. my dad owned a business and my brother was taken down there and let to work in the business. I never got to work in the business. I thought I can do something mm-hmm. down there, you know, <laughs> and even though like, get this, I'm the eldest child, mm-hmm. but my brother is the executor of my dad's estate. And you know, that almost always goes to the oldest child, but yes, I'm a female. Right. Now he does live in the state where my dad lives. That may make some things easier, but that was kind of shocking to me. And so mm-hmm. I grew up in a different circumstance. You were you were pretty much expected to marry and you know take mm-hmm. care of those kids. And just recently, this is going to blow your hair back. 
my dad and I were having a conversation. My dad's house has gotten very disheveled since my mom passed. And my dad actually mm-hmm. said to me, I don't know how to do this. This is woman's work. He oh, yeah. said that in the year 2021 to his grown ass daughter. I almost <laughs> fell off the couch. I thought, you better be glad you're my daddy. He was because otherwise oh, we're going to go round and round. But so for <laughs> me, I think that's a very different thing to mm-hmm. know that in your culture, you as a black woman, you are raised to be prepared to do it by yourself. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you're you taught, like I said, you're taught to not to depend on anybody and to be strong because, you know, you have to be. You're taught no in the workforce. You have to, you know, you just have to be twice as better. That's what you're taught. You got to be twice as better because you're black. And you're a woman, so you got to work twice as hard. You got to be twice as strong. You got to be. You got to. You got to be everything. You got to be able to do it all. So, it's overwhelming. It, so, how wow. did that feel as a That's child pressure, coming up? Right? Yeah, I mean, you being grand uh, for being a wife. The only pressure there is you're gonna be cute enough to get a husband. You know, I can't imagine right. the pressure of as a child mm-hmm. and a young woman. You know, an adolescent just being groomed in that way and told that you were going to have to do it all on your own. Did that feel, what did that feel like? I didn't realize it until I got older, the effects that it had on me. Right. Um, you know, I did what I had to do. Like I got straight, straight A's as much as I could. Three, you know, I kept a very high GPA, uh, did it. I, everything in a row happened until I got pregnant. And then it was like, Oh, here's the strong part. Here's the stuff. And I'm, I'm, you know, Things started to come in, and I'm like, "Oh wow, uh, I'm not strong." <laughs> I oh, I think you probably moment. are. So for you, I think there's mm-hmm. some differences in what the word "strong" looked like for you, because it sounds to you, yeah. or sounds to me, like what you're saying is you had to be prepared to do everything by yourself. When you told mm-hmm. me as a Southern white woman in my age category to be strong, that meant you know be able to keep the house and raise the kids well. Right, it mm. didn't mean could take complete care of myself, mm-hmm. and and now see that's the thing. That's be- and then and I can understand it could be, it's hard for both ways. Like just to be totally taught to just be somebody's wife, and then just to be totally taught to be strong. I think there's a healthy balance, but I've, I'm realizing what and not to offend anybody, but that like family is the community. That's right. So if you have a strong family in your culture, which white people have, white culture has, mm-hmm. you have wealth. You yep. have yep. everything thrives from that. So, you know, and that's how they got us, you know. That's how they got you us. You know, in that's our interesting you we, say that because mm-hmm. I do think sometimes we may have a tighter um, immediate family, like there's probably more mm-hmm. uh, statistically, I think there's more fathers in the home, but we know mm-hmm. everybody's split home now, but you guys have historically done a great job of that extended family. Like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. your 97th cousin twice removed and three times divorced. <laughs> and I don't even know who a lot of like second cousins. Well, are. you know, family reunions were huge when I was younger. So that's how you kind of knew. See, we don't have, we don't have as many. I mean, you you occasionally see family reunions, Mm -hmm. uh, but not like the black culture does. Like I've seen on Disney World with the matching shirts and that tells Mm -hmm. me you value that. Yeah. And yeah, we do value it. And it, 
and it's it's not that it's not seen in the community. I feel like there was a span where the home was broken, but there are a lot of people who do experience that fam that you know that family unit and family in other senses, uncles, you know, mm-hmm. uh, aunts, cousins, older cousins who you looked up to and you got to see grow up and make their mistakes or become doctors, lawyers, or, you know, you, you had visuals and you had, you do have a strong family unit all together. But as far as like, I'm guessing like statistics overall, it's been a, you know, it's a lot of single mothers out there. Well, you it's know, a lot of single parent one homes. Of, one of the other things though, too, Brooke, is mm-hmm. you were talking earlier to us, is that in, in the culture, we kind of think everybody is a cousin, an auntie, mm-hmm. you oh, know. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just it's not just who's blood related to you. It's right, for sure. Who has this close connection that can um, pour into the lives of others? That's that's mm-hmm. what I hear heard you saying earlier. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I did not have that. That was my parents' family is family. Blood is mm-hmm. blood, and like. Right. My parents, like, if we're dating someone until that marriage certificate is signed, sealed, and delivered, they're not treated as a member of the family. And the minute that the divorce decree, they are excommunicated, like, (laughs) I mean, a lightning bolt hit their tail. And that may have just been my family. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. my family was not really accepting to expanding mm-hmm. Mine wasn't either. or inviting no. people in. I mean, my mom mm-hmm. was like, they're not family. She didn't even right. want to commune with the in-laws. Like, like if yeah. I just said, let's just go down to the in-laws and have Christmas all together. She, no, mm-hmm. that would have been a no. no. Um, See, I was adopted. So my mother that raised me, she was very, um, oh, she was a very private person. And like, I was a people person. So I was like, Hey, like, I'm just like this ball of sunshine trying to get everybody. And she's like, yo, chill out. <laughs> You're doing yeah. too much. So that yeah, my family was really like I had I had my certain family members. I saw my extended family from time to time, but it was more so my dad's side of the family when I was younger. When we I saw him the most, I saw a lot of his family and that extended mm. family. Um, but when I got older, I met my birth mother and she's really she's that person who takes in anybody. Like some cousins are mm. probably not biological cousins, but like that's Mama Tanya, like to them. So it's like, that's just how she is. But, and that's how most, you know, strong, uh, backbone black mothers are in those and grandmothers and, and stuff like that. that are in the community. I always wanted a bigger family. I wanted a sister for one. I could have just adopted one. Had it been black, I just found one. I'm home. Um, <laughs> that's all right. I want to talk about, you said, you know, sex, you were mentioning that, and you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of single moms. We have a lot in the white community too, but it's been a long-term issue for the black community mm-hmm. and a, a long-term issue for blacks um, moving into their power because these mm-hmm. single moms, like you said, you got pregnant. It's a setback mm-hmm. because you're trying to build that career. And now you've got a child and there's not a father in the picture. That's hard. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you think, you could have been talked to about sex in a different way that you might not have gotten pregnant. I mean, what do you think contributes to that? Is it the way sex is talked about? Is it cultural acceptance? Because mm-hmm. now in the Deep South, just till maybe 20 years ago, that was shameful. And I mean, mm-hmm. my mama, if she was still living today and I'd come home pregnant out of wedlock, it would still would have probably got me tied to the back fence. I mean, yeah, shameful. Was it shameful in your community? Oh, let's talk about that a little bit, how we got here. 
Yeah, I wish, I feel like the thing is, it's more of an emotional thing. I wish the emotional side was talked about more. Like for me, I felt this need to feel seen and, and get attention. And I like the attention from the male and that's what they wanted from me. Like they didn't want my goofiness or my personality. They want to have sex. And so it's just like, you know, I wish <laughs> they wanted the goodies, girl. Like, you know, I wish somebody would have told me, you know, the emotional effects of it and like sure. even their own experiences, like, you know, what they felt like, what they were going through, how how it's the consequences of it. And it's not just, oh, you could have a child like are you you're not mentally ready for this right now like you're not right. mentally emotionally physically ready See, I think for this the right wild now. culture like to scare you like i remember my mom oh, yeah. telling me the first time's gonna hurt oh, oh yeah. really yeah i wasn't excited <laughs> who don't know oh, that's so that's so crazy like uh, my, a my mom move. never talked about it in. just that was all about all she said that you would have sex on your wedding night now that's how she presented it on your wedding night you'll get married one day and you'll have sex with him and you know it's gonna hurt a little bit and, and, and that's all that was said and i'm like wow okay don't know why y'all are in any hurry to do this amount of stuff but <laughs> what about the latin culture christina what what were the what were you talking about sex uh, I was just told uh, I got pregnant very young, so I my first my first pregnancy I was sixteen, mm-hmm. and so um, my dad he, I was on drugs and I was sixteen. So my dad was more concerned about my drug addiction than um, having a baby, and he is like, "That's not going to happen. So you're going to go and you're going to go and take care of that." And mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, you know, I was sixteen. You go, you take care of it." And, um, and then you're going to quit doing drugs. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> so, nice. so, you know, at 30, I got sober and, uh, and, and so uh, it, it's just not talked about. You just don't talk about it. You just tell mm-hmm. You just tell your kids, you don't do that. That's not, yeah. that's but not what for I'm hearing you. from you both is that your families jumped in. Your dad came in in what he thought was a rescue role, good, bad, right. or indifferent. And I know right. today you're a different person. That would be your decision. Oh, and and um, my dad, you know, he did the best he could with what he had. So I don't want to make him seem yeah. like he was oh, a bad yeah. person. We're not like, making he, no judgments on abortion, yeah. no judgment on keeping bad. Don't, that's not the point here. Yeah. The point is how we were raised and cultural differences and generational differences produce different outcomes and they've made us different people. I would have been terrified and I don't know that I would have gotten support. I don't know what my mom would have done, but like Brooke said, you know, her family, it's done. You accept it. You move to how we're going to deal with this. I honestly don't know what would have happened. I don't know if I would have been allowed to live in the home. I don't know. I like to think that Mm -hmm. when it, if it came down to it, they would have, they would not have pushed me to get an abortion. But there would have been definitely some, you've made your bed lay in it. That, my parents right. were very big. And not that my parents never helped me, don't get me wrong. But honestly, I don't know how they would have handled that. I, there's nothing mm-hmm. in me that says, oh, well, it would have been just fine. And what? Oh, I, yeah, no. I understand that. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like y'all not- were met with very compassionate. Um, not you, Brooke? Or was it more? <laughs> it Like, okay, so... It came off like that at first, like, cause you know, but after a while, like I started to see like what they really felt like, oh, you're not uh, going to be a doctor anymore. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like you, you know, mm-hmm. and it just started to show 
how they really felt about the situation. So I did end up But that was not leaving, the conversation they had 20. before, right? They didn't say no, that to you before. before. Mm-mm. See, I did Mm-mm. have that conversation with our daughter. She's my stepdaughter. And I remember looking at her and her saying, if you get pregnant, mm-hmm. because I didn't feel like just an issue of morality was enough to keep people from having sex. I just don't buy into that. I, I'm a Bible <laughs> believer, but just mm-hmm. Jesus saying so ain't going to keep a hot teenager from having sex. That's right. So I tried to put at in all. terms they could understand. If you do this, you're going to have to drop out of college. You're right. not going to get your degree in theater. You're not going to be going to New York and working. I try to lay it out for both kids what it would mean what for the them. I was clear. Right. See, this is where there's going to be a big divide, I think, with Brooke's community and my community. I'm like, I am not raising any more children. Yeah. And that sounds so well, harsh. And well, I don't no, know no, what it would do. A lot of my generation aren't like, first of all, it's it's expensive as hell to live. Right. Like, a lot of people are struggling to take care of themselves. Like our rent... I mean, I know it's different out there, but because of where you guys live at, but uh, what, our, what our pay state. is, what we get paid, and how much rent and stuff is out here is ridiculous. Like, how do you live as an individual? So a lot of people are staying, in my generation, are staying home until mm-hmm. they get married. They're staying with their parents. I have friends who live with their parents until yep. they were married. Is that and, a you know, change aren't having the kids until later, aren't having kids at all, who don't want to have kids. Yeah. So, a lot of things as far as that have changed because of what we've seen it, our parents do or what we experience, and we don't want that. <laughs> so, well, and I'll, I'll say this, Brooke, you know, my my upbringing was a little bit different. My dad was not compassionate towards mm-hmm. my towards my stuff. My mom was very just like, let my dad talk. Oh, so and his response was not a compassionate response. It was more like, no, a, his was like jump just, in and take over. Yeah. He was just jump in, take over. Cause we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I got pregnant with my son, um, my dad, he was so upset and he did not, he did not sugarcoat it. I mean, uh, now let me tell you, his, his, his grandson is like God's gift to him. Yeah. Okay. Um, however, at first, when I when when I first got pregnant, my dad he looked at me and he said, "Listen, you know, I, I, that's you're gonna do what you're gonna do, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not raising your baby, so you better figure it out because this is you." And at that point, I was like, "I thought you'd be happy to be a grandpa, you know, like what?" Uh, but he was. He was upset at the way that it happened, yeah. the order that it happened. He wasn't upset to be a grandfather. No. And I think that that was one of those um, eye-opening experiences for me to say, okay, I, I can understand. I can mm-hmm. enter into the understanding of, I know that you wanted more for me, mm-hmm. but this is what's going on. And also... My family, my um, outer family, so not just my immediate family, but my outer family, so my cousins, my aunts, they would always be like, you know, because my son's father and I, we would tussle, and they knew. Yeah. And they were like, if this is going down, we need you to either move out, move away, Mm -hmm. we're going to say something because this is not okay. Mm -hmm. So- I, I love how the the culture is different for mm. each group, yeah. you know. And I and how- I think that's the thing with our parents is that they don't have what we have now. Like entrepreneurship, 
Some of them right? did. Don't get me wrong. Entrepreneurship right? did have its place, but it's not as heightened as it is now. So yes. they worked hard. <laughs> so they worked day and night and this they have this idea of what your life is going to be like. So like you said, mm-hmm. when you're going left, it's like, girl, you didn't even have to do what I had to do to get you where you are. You yeah, there, was, there was no right. You weren't that. to make terms. That was my parents. You made a plan and you executed uh-huh. on the plan. Like they had a plan. They bought a house. They were going to have two kids. They had two kids, 15 months apart. I mean, everything was just even diaper training. I mean, my parents just, but see, the thing was they expected that of me. Right. But mm. that was a very generate different generation. My parents grew up very poor mm-hmm. and they worked very hard to make it. Right. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. also were very disciplined, mm-hmm. a little bit narrow minded. Like oh, you, sure. you need to do it the, the way they said. And there really weren't a lot of other ways. Like if you came in and said, I'm going to make a living, you know, putting having strings and harps. <laughs> yeah. Having a podcast. <laughs> That's a no. That's I haven't enough. even told That's my it. dad I have a podcast. So he's not going to understand what it is, and he's certainly gonna, not going to think it's a good idea. Oh, yeah. Um, but I love hearing about these cultural and generational differences because one of the things yeah. we aim to do here on Midlife Moxie is help these next generations to have a different perspective coming up. We want mm-hmm. our women to be more educated because I think that does make us stronger when you're not just educated by books, but you're educated in life. You know what to expect from your period. You know what your resources are. Mm-hmm. You know what to expect from midlife. You know what your resources are. And you're not afraid to talk about it because women, they've just referred to it as the change. Mm-hmm. So I want to shift into talking about you're not in midlife yet, Brooke. You've got a few more years, oh, but yes, girl, Lord, it, thank you. It's you see it there. Look in the tunnel, Brooke. Look in the tunnel yes. here. It comes. Girls, I've been yes, Lord, thank I, you. I, when I say I came on at nine, like our bodies are not ours, and it's frustrating. Like, oh, oh gosh. So You know, I think that is something that can bond us across Mm -hmm. race, across Mm -hmm. culture, across Mm -hmm. countries, is knowing that we as women are going to (laughs) suffer these things. I mean, it is suffering. Having a period is suffering. It is. And when I, if I want to get compassionate, I think Mm -hmm. about women in the middle of the Sudan or women in the middle of a street in India or a woman in China where she's not respected at all having periods and having babies what what that must be like to not even have basic hygiene protection i mean if if anything will get me riled up it's that kind of things because i think it's hard enough with all the creature comforts Mm -hmm. here's what i want to talk about next is being 30 like when i mentioned menopause in midlife you're oh you you had a negative reaction yeah so that's not something you're looking forward to. Talk to me about that. Like, what are your expectations and where do those expectations come from? <laughs> so funny story. Be I, honest uh, all the way. Right. So funny story. When I was really little, my aunt, the one I was telling you about earlier, she used to give, she used to have high flash. She was going through menopause when I was younger. And we used to eat popsicles together. <laughs> like we used to just eat popsicles. And she's like, "Yes, I'm having hot flashes, and I be actor. I'm extra." So I was ever since I was little. I'm like, "Yes." I'm like, "I'm hot and eat my popsicle at three." So you three, were four pretending years old. to have hot flashes, Girl, yes. But with your um, aunt. 
Yes. And so I don't think I ever did that. No. <laughs> I, I didn't, that I didn't book, either. But, but I love that. That's so cute. Yes, and it, it just really funny. helps to bring you into the fold. If it in means a you get to eat ice cream, yeah, bring it on. She used to be sitting there in her bra because she was so hot. And then we just be. So she stripped down. (laughs) So what did you think was happening to her when she starts ripping up her clothes and eating popsicles? I I mean, I just remember she would always say she was going through menopause. And so as I got older, you know, I'm starting to realize what that is. But I'm like, now I just, I'm like, yeah. So that's what I expected them to be even more uncomfortable. Like, I just know it's something else that's uncomfortable and hormonal. Yes, girl. Yeah, it gets it gets real. Let's let me just tell you, I was flashing yesterday. My whole body was hot, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I got really cold. And I was like, "Turn off the turn turn on the heater. No, turn it off. No, turn it off. No, turn right. it off." Oh, it's like you can't regulate nothing. Oh my goodness! Nothing. Well, I did it. So, I did a reel last week. If you follow my IG, it was to that. Katie Perry yep. song, you're hot and you're cold. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. Yeah. We get excited. Like I do a midlife and I'm a plus size girl. So you can imagine the heat factor there. Mm-hmm. And you get excited when it's cold enough to actually wear the cute sweaters you bought. I've kind of right. give up on even buying them. Like I don't, I haven't had Me a coat too. out all winter, not a coat at all. And it's already snowed. Uh, just because I'm just can't hardly wear it. Plus, what happens to me is I put that sweater on, and then you get inside a building, and some millennial like Brooke has got the heat cranked up because she's not hot yet. She's running the show, <laughs> and you just I start ripping off my clothes, and you're like, you're hot, you're cold, you're hot, you're cold, you're hot, you're cold. So what I'm finding interesting is that. You said you knew it was something else uncomfortable that was going to come for you as a young female. So you remember that from being a very small child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I do. I just remember that's what she said, menopause. And that's what she was going through. And she said the word menopause? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And and hot flashes. So I knew not I knew in the it south. Was a part of the menopause process it was yeah. the change. Yes. I, I love that they actually said it and that they owned it and they talked about. Mm-hmm. Now my mother-in-law used to talk about hot flashes, but my mother never mentioned it. Mm. I mean, like it was literally a secret. It she it just her period just slid on into the ages. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about what else you're expecting in midlife, Brooke. What do you, what do you think menopause is going to look like? I, I, to be honest, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. Because besides her, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever talked to like my mothers about menopause and what they've experienced. No, I don't think I have. And so I don't really know the specifics and the details of everything that I'm going to experience during that time. So this is my question. Why don't we talk about this shit? Why don't we talk I, about I, this? Because I, I mean, is. <laughs> Why would you? Like, you hate it. Like, <laughs> like I feel like... I feel but like here's what happened to me. Some things happened to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've shared this on other. I don't want to be repetitive. But, like, one of the first times I passed a large clot, it was a large enough clot that I was afraid I had had a miscarriage. And I was in a public bathroom. Oh, no. And I did not know... See, I didn't know how about much that. I was bullied. And I did not know... Get excited, bro. Get excited. <laughs> I did not know that mental illness anxiety, depression could impact midlife women more as your hormones change that can cause those things to ramp up. So when yeah. some of these things hit me, I was blindsided, Brooke. See, that's why it matters. It and that's does. why we want to have those conversations. So we don't want to scare you. Here's what we want. We want you to come into this educated. 
<laughs> we want you to know it's going to be okay. And we want you to know that all the other women are doing it too. Oh, like yeah. I've had women tell me after that episode that they thought they were the only one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we don't share the really hard parts, mm-hmm. we're all get, we get scared. Like yeah. I hear a little bit of fear from you. You're like, I, I don't know what to expect. I'm not looking forward to it. it. And your quote was, I knew it was something else uncomfortable and hormonal. But exactly. You know. <laughs> Something else that young girls have to look. But if we let our young girls know, yeah, these things are going to happen. This is what it means. This is how we're going to handle it. Mm. You know, I'd love it to get where we don't have to be embarrassed when there's blood on our pants in public. We Mm. just, another sister comes up and says, hey, girl, you've had a little leak. Our males take off their jacket and wrap it around us. Oh, I've taught my son and he's 10. I told him that. Thank you. Good job, mom. Good job. I was like, uh, it was actually my friend who has a daughter who made a post about it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I came on at nine. I do need to tell my son about this. And I told him, I was like, you know, <laughs> I, well, he had a, cl- they had health class and he's learned all about it now. But I was like, you know, if you see a young lady, you take your jacket or something or just whisper it in her ear. Don't make a scene about it and tell her, you know, to go to the bathroom or whatever, or give her your jacket. And he was like, okay. And so. Well, you that normalize these conversations. Yes. But yeah, because you are, you're normalizing the conversation mm-hmm. for, for your son. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty awesome because how many times, well, at least when I was younger, yes. Boys were mean. Rude. Yes. Kids are mean, mean. And I work with kids. They are rude and mean, okay? They do not yes. care. <laughs> yes, girl. And you want to take them and snatch them up Oof. and to ask them, what, who taught you this? Your mama? Uh, like, what is wrong with her? These, these I mean, kids that's at school just... are a different breed. I don't say that much, but yes. Girl. Yeah. Well, so if we talk about these things and we normalize them, mm-hmm. if it happens to you in public, you don't have to be mortified. Right. No, for and sure. And the same thing right. when we're having a hot flash. Here's what I would like to see. I'd like to see office buildings. If you have a woman in the office who's menopausal, that we all agree to crank it down a few degrees and everybody else puts on a sweater. Right. Bring a sweater. Susie's in menopause and she's struggling. Why can't that be a normal freaking conversation? (laughs) Y'all think that's funny, apparently. No, it's it's not funny. It's funny how you said it. But no. Well, the thing is, we, I just, my brain sees solutions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And my brain just doesn't understand why we can't look at things differently. I think you know? you can. we can. We just need to keep having conversations like this and keep talking about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I feel I, I have to give my generation credit. Like, we have to talk about this to our children. So hopefully by the right. time it gets to his generation, it's like, oh, yeah, menopause, she about to do this and she going to have high flash, bro. You're going to be okay. Like, he's talking to his friend, talking to his girl about menopause. Right. Like, you know, it becomes that conversation where it's like, this is what happens in... You know, that's what happens in the body. Yeah. Yeah. When we haven't talked about it, though, and it happens to you and you're somewhere having a hot flash, it's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. And women Mm -hmm. don't want to say, well, I'm just having a hot flash. We're Unless we're just among our close girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm okay. I'm fine. And we'll sit there and sweat and burn and take off clothes. I panic. And almost combust in our chair because we don't want to say that because Mm -hmm. I would... We've not normalized that conversation. right? Um, but here's what I want you to to get out of this conversation, Brooke, too. I really want your duration to take away is there's a lot of good to midlife. Midlife yeah. women truly find themselves. I agree. And truly, you've reached your heights of maturity, your heights of wisdom, mm-hmm. and you get a whole lot of don't give a crap. Oh, yeah. That's a bit. I literally told my grandmother this the other day. She was like, where's your man? When are you going to get him in? I was like. Grandma, 
I was like, I done seen so many women get married at 40, 45, thriving. Like I'm, I, I was like, I just, I, I, I'm learning so much that 30s not old, 50s not old, 40, you know, it's just changing that perspective of what it is the age. Like it's a beautiful well, thing. You gotta, be, you gotta be comfortable where you're mm-hmm. at, right? You gotta, you gotta love who you are today without all of that. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you enter into that relationship, it's even, it's even better than you expected. I mean, I'm here to tell you, Brooke, I did not get married until I was 40. Was I 40? I was 40 when I got Mm -hmm. married and I'd been a single mom for 16 years. My son's father left at one when he was one. I've been raising my kid ever Mm -hmm. since. And I was just like, all right, I'm here for it. You know what? It's my responsibility. I'm here for Mm -hmm. it. And so I just want to like impart some wisdom to you. Like you got time, you got time. And there is, there is a man who is going to find you (laughs) and he is going to love you and he's going to give you all the things and he is going to love you in menopause. Okay. (laughs) My husband husband is loving me through this menopause. Okay. (laughs) And if he doesn't, you're going to love yourself. Right. That's right. If That's he right. never shows up, you're going to oh, love absolutely. yourself and you're going to live in sisterhood and community. That's good. That's yeah. right. That's a really good deal. That's right. We have to. And I think as we take down barriers between social groups, races, mm-hmm. generations, we as women need to stick together. And we've been pitted against each other for way too long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially I know even culturally, there's been that, you know, oh, Black women, black men dating white women, mm-hmm. Latino men dating this, woman dating that one. We've been pitted against each other in so many ways. That's just yeah. the latest iteration. Mm-hmm. We've mm-hmm. taught we have to compete for these men yes. and be jealous of each other and knock each other down mm-hmm. for the, you know, for men. Well, I just, I just changed it up and I just married a white man. So whatever <laughs> you, you. You white girls over there taking my Latin men, you go right ahead. You go right she ahead because I just took one off the market. You are cracking me. You got one, I got one. <laughs> but we, you know, the thing is, we. Why do we feel such competition? And we've it's, got it's, to. It's embedded. It's it's a. Mm-hmm. It's embedded right. in our our DNA as a society. Like. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but that's what it is. You know, of course we're coming out of it and we're, you know, we're coming to our own and women are doing so much more. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, we've had no choice but to come together as women because we realize that we all understand each other, but it's just, it's embedded from slavery to, you know, to white women have it all. And like, you know, just to have that. And then eventually it, it was another layer and then it's another layer. And then it's like, how do you break it? So having conversations like yeah. this is how we break well, it. Well, you know, we even compete about how good a mom we are. You know, we, so you've got to be the Social best media on Facebook yeah. and all that. And that we need Pinterest, to, though. Oh, I love Pinterest. I know there's that survival. <laughs> yeah, I love Pinterest. There's survival of the fittest, and that's how we chose mates and all that. But what if we raise every woman mm-hmm. up and we make it kind of a Fair playing field. Kind of like, here's the scenario or the comparative I'll make. When I was back in the day, mm-hmm. being a baller and playing ball, like I wanted to beat the opposing team when they were at their best. I wanted to beat them. Like if I would get news that their star player was out, that would make me mad because I'm like, no, because if we beat them now, then everybody's just going to say it's because Susie right, Jones' was star right, was out. Exactly. You know, What if we just 
you know, ease off that kind of backstabbing competition. Mm-hmm. We raise every woman mm-hmm. up to the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. And then let men make their choice in the market. I mean, what would be wrong with that? I mean, it's it's weak comp it's a weakness in competition to want to tear other people oh, down. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think people so get scared. It gets like, you know, yeah. I've I've experienced it. Like sometimes I have to unfollow people like or just stop watching stories of women who I feel have it all or you get your makeup done every day. You got a husband, like you got girl, like what the heck? <laughs> like I got, I gotta stop. You know, I I have to check myself. I think that's what it is—a self check and a self mm. thing that you have to work on yourself. More women need to work on themselves and be it. Like I'm realizing, I'm realizing that I'm being insecure. So I need to stop falling for a minute until I get myself together and why I feel offended by mm. your post of you living that's your yeah. life. Why? So it's just like I love that. <laughs> And I think that, yeah. That's wisdom. That is a lot of wisdom. Self help. You gotta self help yourself, girl. Get you some self help. Get you some therapy. Girl, I'm trying. You know, I think that also applies to issues like race, Brooke. I think a lot of the things around race is fear fear of losing your position, fear of losing your power, fear of losing whatever makes you special and different and good and better in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, just fear really drives a lot of our behaviors. Oh, yeah. Fear we won't get that husband. Fear we won't get that yeah. job. Fear we'll lose our power and position. And if we can be more confident in who we mm-hmm. are and we can build other people up, we could create a society that everybody's not acting out of oh, fear. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? Yeah. And then once you once everybody starts doing that, they're not scared to tell tell you what you're going to go through the menopause or give you some tips on how to build your business because you're not competition anymore i want to help you and then you build this community and and mm-hmm. like you like you mm-hmm. said you just starts with yourself once you have that confidence in yourself you don't care about what she's doing you don't care about to the left or the right. right oh you want something from me oh yeah i got it i'll give it to you like what what do i have to lose i'm still me and i'm still yeah. ha- doing everything i'm doing and, so yeah i agree and you're completely. still you mm-hmm. Okay, I want to talk about one more issue okay. here, and I know we can't we could talk about it for six hours, but I just kind of wanted to, if you quick as we go through the generations here, because we've got I'm 55, Christina's 45 or 44. He's 44? like, what's saying that? <laughs> I'm 44. I just turned 44. Okay, 44. 44. Okay, I knew you just had a birthday. And then we got baby Brooke oh, over here. It's, it sounds so good I'm to be called baby. <laughs> Baby Brooke, yes, uh, I'll my adopted daughter. <laughs> yes, Baby Brooke. girl. Uh, here's what I'm thinking: as you sit here as a woman of color in your 30s, yes. I sit here as a white woman at 55. Christina's are Mexican <laughs> in the middle. Designated Mexican. <laughs> I've seen so many changes in the area of race okay. since I was a child, yeah. and I just wonder looking at it, your generation mm-hmm. and you look at growing into midlife as a, as a black woman, are things improving? Okay. Are things better for you? Mm-hmm. What do you feel about your white mm-hmm. Latina sisters? Mm-hmm. Just kind of, where are you? Where's your generation and where's your mindset as a black woman of 30? Mm-hmm. Well, ha- also answer your first question. Do I feel things have changed? I feel like things have morphed. So it may seem like it's changed. Like, I mean, you know, there's some things that we can do as black people that we were never able to do before. So I would never take that away from my ancestors and the things that they went through. But 
things mm. have morphed. So slavery is gone, but there's a new form of slavery, which is jail. There's, a, you know, gotcha. things have morphed it, its way into being the same. And, um, and, and I want to tell you something there too, because I think it's interesting because mm-hmm. I, growing up in my generation, especially in the deep uh-huh. South, I honestly didn't understand those things. Like I did not understand that we have a problem in our prisons in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. It's a billion dollar company. It's just, it's, they make money off of us. I did not realize yes. that, that prisons mm-hmm. were a corporation. Yeah, it's, a corp- it's just like they made, they got a hundred percent profit. Have you not watched Queen of the South? Oh, well, yeah. Watch <laughs> what? I, Queen of the South, I haven't have finished that not- either, but. I heard it's good. Okay, you gotta you you gotta watch Queen of the South. It's one of the things that happens in New Orleans. They anyway. I don't want to. I don't want to spill <laughs> the yes, beans here. But, but like it's. But watch it, and and they talk about how it's mm-hmm. a business. I, yeah. I watched. But here's I watched the thing the I want to say about that, and that's where I learned about the CCA and literally the actual statistics. I finally did. Yeah. So uh, I watched mm-hmm. a documentary. Yes. But here's what I want to say mm-hmm. to you as a young black woman that I want you to know about us old uh-huh. white women. I really didn't know, Brooke. Yeah. I really didn't know. And, and I know a lot of times. Why would, why would you? And that's why I ask. And that's why I ask angst. people, why would you? You're, we are taught to learn about y'all. Y'all are not taught to learn about us. Why would you know that? And so that's the thing. But I'm sorry that it's yeah, that way. But I mean, and I love your attitude yeah, about it. And, and that's the thing. I think people are afraid to have these conversations. I understand. Mm. Like, <laughs> I'm weird. Like I said, I understand why white people didn't want slavery to end. They, that was a billion dollar industry hundreds of years. That wasn't that long ago, but a hundred years ago, that was a great industry for you to make a hun- almost a hundred percent profit. Why would you want your slaves to be free? Well, there was a fear of losing your whole way of right. life. That's what I'm saying. They were scared. It was a whole they way of scared. life. They were making m- bank off of people working for free. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's not funny, but it's true. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, who works for right. free today? No one. Slate, uh, um, <laughs> Scarlett O'Hare was not going to pick the beans. Jail. I mean, people that wasn't going to happen. That's why they put them in jail, to make a billion dollar company. So that's why, I, and that's why mm. I said for, to that first question. So I, I feel like that's the thing. It's about, you have to realize that people are ignorant. And I think the thing is, I've learned that, and this is not to offend you, Gail, or anybody, but white people don't care. And I'm not saying that's all white people, but mm. as a culture, white culture does not care about us because why would they have to? They've never been taught about us. They've never had to care. That's it. Why would we have had well, you've to? You've never had to. We've had to learn how to operate around you guys. We had to learn how to operate in corporate America, how to talk a certain way to get a job, how to dress a certain way to get the right job, how to uh, act in school, get better grades, be twice as good so you can actually just make it to the to the to the floor like you know and so it's just like if you understand that and also understand as a black person that it doesn't matter just be just I think we're getting back to the core of just being who we are and loving ourselves and I think that's a big thing and I think eventually those people who really want to know and understand like right now this conversation that's you I don't mind talking to I don't I don't mind that at all but will I waste my time I so appreciate that on arguing with somebody? No. Because I've been told, I've been told by a black well, woman, why should I have to educate you? Yeah. And I'm like, come on, I get it, but I'm trying. Throw right. me a bone and here. Some people you know? who, and, yeah. and she has the right to feel that way. Everybody's not, everybody's not meant to talk about this. Everybody's not made for that. Yeah. Just like everybody's not made to be a doctor. Everybody, everybody's not meant to talk to people about certain things and aren't willing to, you know, but there are people who are willing to educate 
those who are willing to learn. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. You said white people have not had to care. Do you think you're seeing more white people who do care? Is that changing? Yeah, yeah I do see that. I was begging in my breath that you were going to say do, yes. I do see that. I see we're close to home. I think overall, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just embedded in the DNA of of our our country. And that's the thing. It's embedded in the DNA of our country. And um, we're, we were, they see us as animals. Like, people really cried over a video of a gorilla getting shot and watched people get shot by police all the time and don't care and literally argue about whether it was right or not. But a gorilla got shot in a well, zoo I mean, and people had an I uproar. was raised in a society. Yeah, yeah I was raised mm-hmm. in a society that... Black people were yeah. less. Yeah. Black people were and less. You, and that you was just said, like, and that's the thing, there's people, people don't realize this is not a long time ago. Like, your dad literally told you mm-hmm. he believes somebody should, you should be in the kitchen pretty much. Like, these ideals yep. are still alive and well. <laughs> so, like, I feel like that's the thing that people don't understand as well. Like, th- this didn't happen years ago. Like, this this is still in our, de- these people are still alive. My grandmother is still alive who experienced these things, who couldn't go to school, who couldn't sip out of a... Rosa Parks is still right. alive. I, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, I feel like that's, it's embedded and it's going to take time for these things to happen. Are you hopeful? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I'm hopeful for, I'm hopeful for my people. And as far as black culture, I'm hopeful for us. I'm never hopeful for somebody of a different race to care about us. No, I'm not. Okay. Wait, let me, let me just uh-huh. throw this out there. Okay. Let me, let me just throw this out there. Kind of on the scale of what Gail was talking about. And this is how, how I have mm-hmm. always felt. I have my son, he's he's black, Filipino, Mexican. He's a all yes. he's all the things. And and so um I think that when we can come mm-hmm. to the table under the umbrella yeah. of love with anybody. So if I approach somebody and I like that situation with Gail and her approaching that other lady, I would I would value that conversation. Oh, yeah. And I would be like, let's talk about it. We might not agree. Oh, yeah. no. At the end of the day, we might not agree. There might be some things that you you shift my mind a little bit. I want to go in and I want to see, I want to mm-hmm. see what that's about. But if we could do that across cultural generations sure. and across cultural lines, mm-hmm. I feel that we would be at a better state a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. But people don't want to have those conversations. Like I have had people, like I I can't have conversations sometimes with people. And I'm like, well, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not here. I'm not here Mm -hmm. to argue with you. Um, I just want to Mm -hmm. understand. And, you know, it says seek to understand. And when you can seek to understand – then, then there, that imparts sure. wisdom, and so, I, and so, Brooke, I just want to say this to you that I appreciate that you are bringing this to the table with oh, your podcast, you. with your business partner. I think it's so thank valuable you. that you are showing not only your culture that you can you can sit down with somebody who's 
Chinese, or you could sit down with a Jewish person, or you could sit down with whoever and and have a conversation. You don't have to scream at each other. You can have a conversation under the umbrella of love. I just value Mm -hmm. that so much because- I don't like it when oh, people yeah. scream in my face because, you know, girl. I'm, oh, she's going to go hood right on you if you scream in her face. So many. No. <laughs> That's it. Don't, don't scream right. in my but face. But you said keywords. It has to be an umbrella of love and genuine. Like, you can tell when somebody, as a person of color, I can tell when somebody's being genuine and when somebody's messing with me. My mom raised me mm-hmm. to, my, my mom raised me to be, I guess, to be white. So I was around a lot of white people. She felt that's the way I was going to get in. So I, I, I'm, I'm not new to this. I, I know how to talk to a variety of people. I know how to speak to all types of people. Yeah. But you can tell when it's genuine and it's really from love and people really want to understand you and not just uh, use you as a tool. Yeah. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and it's not well, with women. I, I mean... Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I used to be super intimidated by white yes. women. Super, super intimidated until one of my friends and she's Haitian. She said to me, why are you intimidated? I said, I, I, they, I just feel they operate mm-hmm. different than, you know, they'll, they'll kiki in your face and they'll talk shit oh, behind yeah. your back. When, if you talk to any kind of other culture, they just tell you to your I face, like I you. like you. And that's on that. I like you. And and this is this is why I don't like you. And it's and we okay. Cool. We don't have to be friends. But but we're you good. can't say that in the yeah, south. We don't like you. See, we, but, we, but, we but just, honey pie. Right, just sweetie pie. <laughs> but that's it's it, but it's mm-hmm. different. And I I mean it was it Bless that was heart. a lot to process, especially being married mm-hmm. to a white man. That was a lot to process for me. Um because all his friends mm-hmm. are white and mine are a, a variety of yeah. rainbows. <laughs> and it's hard because it is hard when it's it's hard in a sense because and in just the drop of a dime, you could change my life. And I think that's what white people don't white culture doesn't understand is that you can what I say doesn't really affect your life. But if you just make one phone mm. call, you could end mine. And so that's the thing mm-hmm. that they do have power <laughs> in a sense like it's it's wow. crazy that's it's, heavy it's true and so that's mm-hmm. where the fear comes in in a matter of just your word against mine you win your your word is law mm. and so mm. um gosh it's hard that's yeah, a that's whole, whole other layer, layer. we ain't got time for that but <laughs> that's, that's why it's hard sometimes to see the opposite you know the opposite is like a, a friendship like because at any moment it could turn and I'm going to lose. And so yeah. it's scary. And I understand why it was scary. So that hurts me yeah. for you, Brooke. But I want to land yeah. this plane here today, ladies. I think we talked about oh, a lot yeah. of topics and, and I'm so excited we were able to get through so much because here's what I want the takeaways to be that while we are three different yes. ages, <laughs> different cultures, that there's a lot of, there are some cultural differences. Mm-hmm. There's cultural differences about a lot of things, how we looked at marriage, how we're, um, you know, how we've grown up as women, what we're trying to do and be. But here's the biggest takeaway for me. There were a lot more similarities today oh, than differences. Sure. Yes. yes. And we're all walking out this same thing, being a mm-hmm. woman, the menstruation, the potential to get pregnant, um, 
and no offense to those who cannot get yes. pregnant, you know, you grew up with that potential. You didn't know right. right away. And then eventually menopause and all the things that go along with that. And I love, even though those are painful, hard things a lot of the time, we are united mm-hmm. in those, whether we be black, white, Latina, Asian, Haitian, whatever. We are united as women and we need to stand together and work together to solve all the issues, to get the word out about menopause, mental health, sex, so that these next generations, our daughters or granddaughters Mm -hmm. or nieces, they have a stronger um, support system than we did. And that these things aren't private backdoor conversations and that we have resources that we, we get you know, hygiene supplies to every woman on the globe. We can work together Mm, to do those things. So gosh, Brooke, we thank you so much for coming on and letting us go a little bit different direction today. Do something different. That was just kind of on my heart to do. I just had some questions. I just wondered. And, um, thank you for being open to these conversations and Christina shared her heritage as well. And, um, y'all don't really care about my dumb wife. I mean, I I don't have, you know, they always talk about these other cultures. Oh, they have such a rich culture. You never hear that about white Southern people. (laughs) (laughs) We have the Southernness. Yeah. That Southern. We do have chicken and dumplings, but I have also (laughs) found because I grew up more on the poor side of <laughs> yes. Southerness with, you know, my grandparents grew up poor and such that we cooked in a lot of the same foods that slaves mm. did, that poor black families did. So we over here stewing this meat and making it work. Yes. So I love that there's more similarities than differences. Yes. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap it up there. I hope you'll come back of another course. time and continue this conversation yes. in the future. We can't wait to see what midlife brings you, but it's going to be a great yes. ride, Brooke. It's going to be some I'm already bumps. scared. It's okay. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> we're here for you. We don't Remember, want you to be scared. We're sisters. We're, we're here Thank for you. you. We want you to know about the freedom yes. it brings, the mm-hmm. strength it brings, the insightful knowledge of who you really are mm-hmm. as a woman, it's going to be a great season for you because I can tell you're a real um, introspective person and, and you're going to make the best of it. You're going to shine you. bright. So we're going to wrap it up there. Christina, we told them in the beginning where to find us. So there's nothing much more left to say except until Thank next you. time. Go and get your moxie on. Bye guys. Bye guys.